Hello, everyone, and welcome to Going for the Green, the Daily Roto Fantasy Golf Podcast. My name is Davis Maddock. I am joined by Colin Drew to talk about the beginning of the FedEx Cup playoffs. Uh, I believe this is called the Northern Trust Open, being played at Liberty National Golf Course. Colin, buddy, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Um, obviously, a lot going on in general. NFL back under swing. Got the FedEx Cup playoffs going so two really good weeks of DFS golf left, in my opinion, before the tour championship, which, you know, 30 man field for that is going to be a little bit less exciting for fantasy and for betting, but um, should still be a good way to round out the season. I've never been super into the FedEx Cup playoffs. So the tour championship, I, it doesn't really do it for me, um, but I'm, I'm still looking forward to, to grinding away at fantasy golf for the next couple of weeks before the NFL gets underway. And then we get Sanderson Farms. When when does the Sanderson Farms happen? That's that's the fifth major. <laughs> yeah, they. I mean, they usually give um a like there's like a few week break where they'll have the President's Cup and uh, give the NFL its deserved spotlight before starting to grind the swing season events. Okay. So the Wyndham Championship. I'll be honest. I I was pretty close to some really good teams. I, I basically needed that JT Poston round to to not happen and. I mean, no one's going to care about this like three weeks from now, like whatever, it's the Wyndham. But Hovland actually could have had Poston's round, but he started out with two bogeys on his first three holes. Like Hovland was pretty close to a nuke round, but he he shot himself in the foot to begin with. Yeah. Uh, I had, I mean, I had a bad week from a fantasy perspective. Um, lost about half my buy-ins on both sites. So wasn't a good one there. Um, I felt like the way that I thought the course was going to set up as far as like a lot of deviation being driven from putting, um, that was one of my takes going in and I kind of weighed that in some of the, the golfers I selected. And yeah. And then, and then Benny smash, but it ended up like <laughs> that was the correct take. Like 40% of the strokes gained were driven from putting, but all these bad putters, um, whether Putted well, Hovland been on, um, they smashed putting Kokrak. So I felt like the, the take was okay. The, the actual results didn't work out. Uh, who knows if that was variance or if the course lends itself to, to bad putters kind of realizing we have to talk about the mdf the mdf was dead the mdf needed jordan spieth to go plus six over his final 12 holes and he did it with two shots to spare like like lucas glover lucas glover teams and harris english teams and glover was like bigly chalk those teams were completely dead and instead jordan spieth had one of his worst rounds all year uh to get to get lucas glover an extra day of golf yeah, I had Zach Johnson right there on that line too, and it was like the the Undertaker coming out of the coffin. <laughs> uh, that was just it was it was epic, really something. Epic ejection from Spieth. Um, good good way to to close out the last full cut event of the year. <laughs> yeah, no, it would like every because like everyone in Slack too, like either had Glover or like some people had Spieth because he was coming. Like it was it was a very good time to be in the Daily Roto golf slack but now we can uh we can turn ourselves to the northern trust open it is the beginning of the fedex cup playoffs so only a 125 man field cut to t70 and ties this is the last cut event of the season and uh i don't know i mean the fedex cups the the points play into this somehow but i'm not exactly certain on how yeah i mean the, just the the way that the structured it this year and it'll it'll matter more i think going into the tour championship and trying to figure out like what the different scenarios are there and if if guys play differently if they have massive leads going into like the fourth round or something but 
Um, eventually, basically what that means is this tour championship, whoever is leading after the first two playoff events will begin the tour championship at 10 under par. Number two player will be eight under. So they'll have a little cushion there and then it'll be easier to follow kind of knowing exactly what players need to do to catch up and win the tour championship, which hasn't always been the case in previous years. So I think it'll help the viewing experience um, a, a tiny bit. And obviously, Kicking it off this week at Liberty National, last hosted the 2013 Northern Trust. Adam Scott won that year at 11 under par. He was kind of log jammed behind um, him where Tiger Woods, Justin Rose, Graham Dillette, Gary Woodland all at 10 under. Uh, wouldn't be shocking to see the winning score kind of clustered there in the you know minus 10 to minus 13 type of range. Um, Par 71, two of the par fives are definitely eagleable, and then the, the third um, one is a, a little bit longer. But in general, I think it's going to be a good test. A lot of good ball strikers that year. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's that's just what I was able to find from digging into stuff is it just seems like this is off-the-tee strokes gained approach. Like I, I don't think that the, the Rocket Mortgage Classic is going to break out this week. Yeah, def- definitely not. You would think they've they've got it um, playing pretty tough and they've had plenty of time to prepare. Uh, other, I guess, notable guy that did well um, in the 2013 event, Bubba Watson was fifth in strokes gained to degree in that year. Um, didn't have, like, I mean, he wasn't in, like contending or inside the top two in the leaderboard, but um, I always like to look at how Bubba does to degree on a course to try to figure out, like, if it's a course that meets his eye and just generally like if, if Bubba can do well on a course, it kind of tells you a tiny bit about the course. Yeah. I, I think that that is probably fair. So some of the strongest form coming in, I mean, when is Webb Simpson going to stop? Like when, when, at what point does the, the Webb gravy train run out? I guess the t- tour champion Webb Simpson is no, um, he's been absolutely crushing mixing in some really solid floor performances with top end finishes um, top end not winning the event but finishing inside the top five and i mean he hasn't finished outside the top 30 since the masters so it's been a really nice stretch hasn't been able to close one out quite yet um and some of these you know you got good fields mixed in there too with some top 20s and good fields his highest end finishes um outside the masters where he finished fifth were in some of the weaker fields, the RBC Canadian Open and, and the Wyndham Championship. Um, but he, he's got the Masters finish there in the WGC FedEx as well. So Webb, Webb's definitely, he's got it all going right now. He's definitely putting extremely well. Uh, he's been doing that for, a, sustaining that for a long period of time. So I do think it is skill-based, but he's, he's certainly one of what the- a, What a crazy players. world to live in where Webb Simpson is a good putter. He used to be one of the tee to green losers. Like he used to be- like not, I mean, not like Luke List, Benny Ann level, but he used to like be Lucas Glover. Yeah, 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 for real. He used to be like that category of golfer. Uh, Rom has been absolutely smashing. Uh, third, second, first, eleventh, seventh. His last events out. Lowry coming off of the win, and he had good form leading in. Cantlay, obviously a smash, and then Rory. You know, I mean, what 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 can we say about Rory? Guys, just I definitely going to be a a high Rory week for me. I think. Yeah, Rory, you know, performing really well outright, outright, but obviously he has a really high personal baseline too, as do most of the guys that you listed, Shane Lowry, probably the exception. Um, unsure how to handle the, the fact that he's taking some time off, probably getting drunk after the Open Championship win. Um, but, you know, coming back here to try to make that money. Brian Harmon's also been playing really well relative to his ba- baseline. Um, I liked Harmon last week. I thought the course set up well for him. Even though he's playing well relative to his, to his baseline, it might be a pass for me this week, though. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I don't imagine I will. Like a lot of these relative to baseline guys, I think are going to be guys that I probably am not super interested in playing. Yeah, I think the the relative to baseline, you know, guys who are playing really well, um, Roger Sloan, Nate Lashley, Yoki Neiman. Um, I, I find like in weaker fields, I tend to value that stuff a little bit more, just because I'm kind of yeah. playing in for any angle to separate guys. Yeah, you're like you're like which seventy six hundred dollar guy who's two hundred fortieth in the official world golf ranking am I going to play? It's like which you know. It's like, which guy? Yeah. All right. So before we get into the field, we would like to invite you to join us for the daily fantasy NFL season at dailyroto.com. We are gearing up with some free content for the NFL preseason and premium subscribers can also use our NFL optimizer for preseason. And uh, Colin, you you just dropped a, a big article teaching people how to bank on daily roto. <laughs> yeah. I just dropped a 2000 word showdown strategy article offering kind of my macro thoughts and approach to the showdown format on DraftKings and FanDuel. And so that is up there for premium subscribers as well. I got lucky banking my first showdown of the season in the Hall of Fame game. So 20K in the books there, that that staved off some of the carnage in golf. Um, And we're we're really excited about the NFL season. Obviously, we'll have tons of stuff coming out in the coming weeks. Um, But if you guys do want to get in and save 10% off, you can use the promo code FNTSY and that would be good for an elite package or if you're just looking to join for the NFL season. uh, Should be another really, really exciting one. I know Drew and Mike have uh, big things in store. So heading to DraftKings, the guys over 10,000, Brooks at 12K, Rory at 11.4, Dustin at 10.7, Rom at 10.4, JT at 10K flat, so, uh, like, aw, aw shit meme on, on Brooks. It's like, here we go. Just got to gotta fade him as, uh, you know, the most expensive guy. He's projected at, at the worst of anyone in this range. Like, I guess, actually, he's got a slightly better projection than JT. But, I, I mean, I don't, how do you play him? How can you play Brooks for 12K when Rory is 600 cheaper, Rom is 1,600 cheaper? It's just like, I, I don't know how you do it. Well, for Brooks versus Rory, I mean, it's one guy wins events. The other guy shows up until Saturday. Yeah, yeah, the other guy, the other guy fires sixty ones on Saturday only. Yeah. So, I mean, I boosted Brooks heavily before the FedEx St. Jude um, win, and he's been playing a lot more golf than he normally does. I know there's kind of the narratives about whether or not he tries for events. He's kind of talked about not practicing before regular tour events, but he only practices before majors. But He's been playing more golf as well, and so I think that would feed into some of this as well, not to mention the the massive kind of paydays there. So I'm not really worried about the fact it's not a major. Um, I think that Kepka deserves to be the favorite in this field. I, I do like him a little bit more than Rory. Um, I agree, especially on DraftKings, with the pricing structure there. Paying 12K for Brooks is extremely tough. It is a smaller field, but if you think about like the normal field, you still have 125 guys, and the guys you're missing – are all the worst golfers. So a lot of the better guys are still in the field this week. And I think the fact that it's a cut event makes it harder to pay for Brooks on DraftKings, whereas it's a, a little bit easier on FanDuel. Yeah, ne- next couple weeks, I can definitely see Brooks like coming into play in MME builds. But I just like – because if you are if you are playing Brooks this week, like these lineups probably have like Patrick Rogers in them or whatever, you know, or, or, or J.J. Spawn. I think like, it's like – yeah, like 7.5 or 7.6K left for the average cost of the roster. So it's like Brooks and then mega balance and try to catch something there. Um, the I, I guess like the other thing is it, even if he wins and you're in a small field tournament, you're probably not drawing dead just because uh, if there's a log jam of a few guys inside the top five that are all expensive – 
those guys are hard to fit with Brooks. I'd say the other thing that's different about this in the WGC FedEx St. Jude is that he's projected for 20% ownership, whereas at that event, he was closer to 10 to 15%. Uh, Rory, DJ, and Rom are actually all projected around 10%. So the leverage is what attracts me to Rory, DJ, or Rom more so than valuing them outright over Brooks. Yeah, it's too bad Dustin sucks now. Dustin, I mean, just, Dustin flashing that T28 upside recently. <laughs> he definitely hasn't flashed the upside, I would say, in general. The, on, if you were just to evaluate his season, like the ball striking is, is still elite. The putter has kind of left him um, and it hasn't been there for a long period of time. You know, it's been like, what, like two months since we've really had DJ in contention, but that doesn't mean that he can't get it done at 10.7K and sub 10% projected ownership. I mean, I will, I will definitely have, like, I will, I will, I might even, I might even set a rule like across like 200 teams or whatever, like min one, Min one Rory DJ Rom JT and just kind of and kind of let it, but I, I would like to have like 30 or 40 percent Rory, obviously. Yeah, that type of rule I don't think I would do on DK. Um, on FanDuel, I think your kind of default rosters lead you that way, anyways, but it would make more sense for me in that format. I think there are some pretty good rosters that you could start out that are mega balanced this week. Yeah, I, I, I mean, mega balance might be good because the mega balance golfers at this field are like. You know, it, it, this is definitely different than, you know, the events we've had the last couple of weeks other than the Open. Like, mega balance at this field means that you're getting, like, you could go Xander, Scott, Bryson, Hideki, Finau, uh, Louie, or whatever. You know, like, mega balance rosters include a lot of guys who have win equity in this field. Yeah. So, with uh, – so, I think, for me, Brooks is the my favorite guy out of the range as far as outright projection. That's a guy I'll plan on boosting before running any of my lineups, but on – DraftKings, I still don't think I'll end up with a lot of exposure, especially in three max of Brooks. It would be more of an MME play. Um, you just prefer Rory straight up outright. You think he's more likely to win or, or it's the ownership angle? I mean, how can you ask me that question? Of course, I think. I mean, I think Rory is the – I think. I mean, this is like a longstanding argument in Slack is that I think Rory is better than DJ, but, like, it's not even a serious conversation that anyone has about Brooks being a better player than Rory. Like, I, I don't know. I just think Rory is so clearly – like, Rory is lapping the field in strokes gained tee to green this year and, and in strokes gained approach. Like, he is, like, a full standard deviation better than everyone else in strokes gained approach. Yeah, I, I think the, um, I mean, the argument against that would just be that those metrics aren't captured for in the PGA Tour data for the majors. So um, if you want to look at Brooks, like you're not counting his Open Championship where he obviously crushed Rory, and then uh, you're not counting the U.S. Open where he finished second. So it, you're basically disregarding all of his best performances, where which are also against the strongest fields in golf. Yeah, I mean, I I don't mean to like I don't think that. Rory is two times the golfer that Brooks is or whatever. But I think that if like if these dudes just played against each other for 200 rounds, I mean, Rory would win 120 of them and Brooks would win 80. Cause like, does that feel fair? Uh, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't know, I guess. And I guess it would, and maybe, and maybe I'm practicing <laughs> uh, per, per, uh, per the, uh, the, the slack though, par three, uh, Three par fives is not the optimal number for Brooks. You either want you either want four or two per the data because because Brooks is secretly bad at par fives. So, so drop it down into <laughs> the nine k range. Uh, Patrick Cantlay. I mean, got to be the best value of that 
Um, he's going to be heavily owned 20% or so, I would guess, maybe creep into 25, but probably not getting above that. Can't lay 9.2K. He's the, he's the highest value on data golf by like two standard deviations. It's like not even close. Yeah, that feels pretty accurate, right? I mean, Cantlay is one of like he's one of the five best golfers in the world, and he's like I I don't I think I'd probably take him straight up over JT right now. Kind of priced in a range where he doesn't have to he doesn't have to win. He doesn't like, have to win. Yeah, top twenties, depending the, the mix of the rest of your roster, that could be that could be good enough, especially in smaller fields. It feels very odd that he is less expensive than Fleetwood and less expensive than Ricky Fowler. Like in what in what world does Ricky Fowler deserve to be more expensive than Cantlay? Like Cantlay's just crushed him all year. I yeah. mean, I guess Ricky has a win in February, but you know, whatever. Yeah, the the only thing Fowler's got going on is maybe a little bit more fashionable and, and popular with the the kids. But yeah, Cantlay Cantlay is not like watching him play. You'd be like, oh, this dude is is Chad Campbell. Like you you would not be able to tell from watching him play, like and just seeing how he dresses that he's a great golfer. I think I'd put Cantlay like 9.6K on DK kind of right there with Rose, maybe a little bit ahead kind of feels fair. Uh, Webb Simpson was a little bit surprising to see his price tag up above Fowler, Cantlay, Kucher, and Tiger. I thought maybe Webb would be like right there in the Xander mix. Um, Webb is another guy is popping as really solid value Um, has had strong top end finishes in both strong and weak fields. The floor has been pretty good on Webb, um, and it doesn't seem like the ownership is going to be steamed at that price. So uh, I don't know. It feels uncomfortable to pay up for Webb here, but it could be a strong play if he's at like ten to fifteen percent ownership. Do we think that? Do we think that Webb loves to grind for the money as much as Kucher does? Like, is like is like is like Webb like really grinding out like an extra one point two million dollars a year the way Kucher does? Like, Kucher's walking away with an extra check because of this Wyndham Rewards thing that they did this year. Like, does does Webb does Webb get in the game for the big checks? <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I mean, <laughs> Anti-data takes on this podcast. The the re- very religious guy, uh, but I, I have no idea. I mean, obviously, it's the FedEx Cup playoffs. They're all trying to trying to take it home if they can. Massive paydays if you're able to get there. So, um, not worried about motivation too much this week. Not. I'm. I was sort of surprised to see Kucher. Not like normally Kucher just always has like a really good projection, but he's sort of like in the same range as guys who are five hundred dollars cheaper than him this week. Yeah, it does feel like he should be – it does feel like he's a little bit overpriced too. Like, um, I mean, just my gut would have said that. I would have preferred Xander, Adam Scott over Kucher and then kind of slotted Kucher right in there with like Molinari and Bryson. And I think uh, the projections kind of reflect that as well. Um, Kucher, very good all-around player. So you're not really concerned about some bottom-end performance from him. Right. Uh, I think he's in play for sure in MME, especially with balanced roster builds being a good way to go this week. But – um, a, a tiny bit overpriced on DK. Tiger, Tiger's going to get the nuke for me. I just, I don't, I can't, I can't play this dude right now. Like he just went, like when, I, when's the last good round of golf we saw from him? Uh, I mean, the Masters, right? <laughs> no, he had, he had one really good round. He had the, his second round at the U.S. Open was okay, I think. I, but yeah, but I, it's it's been a while. And and the other guys, like these are the dudes who are going to be like candidates to be above 35% for me, like Xander, Scott, Bryson, Hideki. Like these, these guys are all just such good plays. Yeah, I think it's going to be hard for you to play them with, with Rory, which is where I think the balanced roster build becomes pretty compelling this Viable. week. Yeah. Just because a lot of, lot of really strong plays. Um, like you said, like Xander and Scott were the the guys that jumped out to me as really solid. Um, Hideki, his ball striking over the course of the season, you know, 
top 20 in the field in both strokes gained off the tee and approach. Obviously, he can tilt it off with the putter, but we, we saw that the last time they played this event, the off the tee and approach play mattered more than a typical event, much more, and putting mattered less. Um, Colin Morikawa has a really strong projection in data golf. That one surprised me a little bit, too. I'm, I, obviously, the results have been really, really good, really consistent performances from him. Awesome to see him earn his tour card. Uh, there's still a small sample size on him, so that always has me a little bit of a red flag kind of leading into an event with, with guys like we see this week. Yeah. I mean, fair enough. Do you like the, I was very surprised by the data golf projection on Morikawa in terms of finishing probabilities though. Like, it seems like, it seems like he must have, like he's had to have just been racking up some very impressive performances. Yeah. And I I think they value consistency a lot. Um, So they would, you know, value two top 20 finishes almost as much as like a first place and a 70th place finish. And he had, extremely strong finishes he obviously won the the barracuda which was a weak field um but top fives at both the 3m and john deere classic and then even his performances against stronger fields have been solid but not exceptional so finishing inside the top 40 at basically every event he's played since he's been a a pro um i feel like that makes sense this week if he finished 30th it wouldn't shock me but it would be a little bit surprising for me to see him contend and at 8.5k i still think you're looking for a little bit of upside I bet I will end up with him at like a, a pretty decent clip. Cause the, the number one thing I'm doing with my runs like the last month and it, it's been working other than the open championship is like limiting cumulative ownership and like his, his projection at uh, his projection at 8,500 is like very good. Like his projection is better than Hideki's, which seems crazy. Yeah. I think the other guy that is going to be sub 10%, um, well, two guys, I think, um, one is going to be Jason day. I think he'll definitely be sub 10%. And then Jordan Spieth, his price is down to 8,000. And I would expect Spieth also to be sub 10% ownership. Um, any chatter in my lineups. Yeah. I was going to say any chatter he's getting this week is just a result of that ejection last week. Yeah. Well, fair enough. Um, all right. I mean, I think that probably does it. I think actually Billy Horschel is like the most interesting discussion point of the week because the dude, his ownership projection is crazy. 20, like 20 to 25% on Billy Horschel just feels wild. Yeah. I mean, I was, it's always early in the week. I don't put too much stock in some of that. Some of them, I see them early in the week and they feel good. And I feel like it's going to be accurate. And then some of them I see it and I feel like, going to end up coming down horschel's one i think would come down more than it would go up whereas because he's the fedex playoffs crusher guy guy just all he loves to putt with uh, 15 million dollars on the line yeah i mean people have those those little narratives um kind of baked in and it, it just feeds into content which feeds into early week ownership more ownership than it does. projections more than yeah. it does like the final roster i i have to say i think this could be a payout week louis 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 at four percent I don't know. Feels feels like it could be a payout week. Yeah. From a leverage perspective, I think it is a really nice zone. Um, all of the guys from Shane Lowry up at 7.9K down to, I, I guess, Sabatini at 7.7, they all project within like 1% or 2% difference in top 20 probabilities. So getting some leverage, whether it's with Lowry, Ustaisen, Ben on, RCB, or even Sabatini, like getting leverage there seems like a pretty good opportunity. Um, even if those rosters also have someone like Gary Woodland, who's the strongest value in this range, I think you can find some really nice differentiation at um, in, in the MME events with the 7.7 period. 
Like, do you think that, do you think that Benny, I, I think this ownership percentage seems weird on Benny. I, I kind of think maybe he will be higher just based off of the high end finish last week. And like, I don't, anytime Benny has a hot putting week, I feel like he's more owned the next week. I, I would see, I can see it going higher, but I don't think it's going to get too high just because um, I think like Woodland is going to pop a lot more in stat models. Benny will pop too, but Woodland's going to be there and, and Leishman has the name value and the brand value. And 7.8K is a little bit uncomfortable for Ben on. If he was at 7.5, I think that's the range where people start to, to smash him. Yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess that that is fair. Do you have, do you have thoughts on the? I actually, I want this to be a larger conversation because it was something we talked about in Slack last week. So Hovland and Morikawa are getting picked up by Data Golf and by other projection system as like good tee to green players, consistent results. Like they are being projected at least somewhat close to values at their salary. But Matthew Wolf is really lagging behind and like I, I just wondered if you had any thoughts on Wolf specifically relative to Morikawa and Hovland so he's definitely lagging behind um I would I would say that generally Morikawa has more top end finishes so he has two extra top fives um even though they were against weak fields I think that weighs in a lot their victories were both against weak fields and probably valued somewhat similarly and then Morikawa has got a larger sample of the the kind of like Wolf's middling finishes at like WG St. Jude and John Deere Classic and Wyndham Championship, where Kawa has some of those as well, in addition to having a couple in strong fields like the U.S. Open. So yeah. I think it's a combination of the sample size, a couple other events in there. But um, if you were to, to ask him to like peg these guys a year out, I don't think given the sample size, I don't think it's like a massive conviction thing. It's just kind of the early leans. Yeah. So... So there, we need to do a deep dive here on, on guys who are under 7.5K, who are good, who are playable, because if you're making Rory teams, if you're making DJ teams, if you're making ROM teams, you're going to have to play a lot of these guys, you know, four, maybe five of these guys. So just starting off at the top of this range, Chucky, Chucky three sticks, that, that feels like a T28 in the bag. I, I'll probably give him like plus four. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm... Charles Howell, I feel like he always just does <laughs> no data take, but I feel like he always does well at the beginning of the season. And then by the time the end of the season rolls around, um, I feel like he's, he's never quite there, but he, uh, he had a good week last weekend. Yeah, he did. I mean, well, good. It's all relative, right? Wyndham yeah. championship finishing 22nd. That's not going to get it done this week. But all four I, rounds I under 70. A, a made cut seems like a good bet. Um, Chucky three, six in contention. Seems like it's not going to happen, yeah, but seems like it won't happen. Seems like a, a made cut is a good bet. Um, and I, I think the kind of upside to win the event from someone like Bubba, if it clicks, or even someone like Sergio, I feel like is a, a little bit higher. Um, Bubba is going to carry 15% ownership, maybe even higher this week. That's going to be a really interesting one just because I do feel like Bubba has Bubba courses, but it, it seems like it's going to be one of those weeks where he's going to be extremely heavily owned. And I mean, he's volatile. Uh, Anywhere. Just seems like he probably won't make my rosters because I like if that ownership projection stays similar in the model, like it, he just won't get picked up at that projection and that ownership projection. I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess the way he would is if it's mixing in like Usaizen, Benon, Shane Lowry on those teams, or or even right. like Rom and whatnot. And if you're playing Rory, he's thirteen percent, so that's pretty low. So you're going to have some some ownership to to play with if you want to. Yeah um Kokrak feels pretty good to me do you think do you think this is a Glover Oshit week like part nine 
He's been under, I feel like he's been underpriced like six events in a row. Yeah. Um, so for Kokrak specifically, uh, I, I think he's a solid value at that price. Uh, he finished inside the top five here at TD Green last time we played it. Uh, he's just, he's such an egregious putter. But if he's going to be contrarian, I think I've got to get him into the lineups. Um, if he ends up in that, that Bubba range, 10, 15%, I start to get a little bit more concerned. I would probably still have Kokrak, but, um, you know, maybe like cap him at like 20% ownership. I don't think I want to go too much more than that. And if he hits like 15 or 20%, then I'd, I'd start to think about um, kind of pulling off him a little bit. And then, I mean, Glover, poor man's Webb Simpson. Like, I, th- I feel like Glover is just going to be a guy I kind of keep going back to. Yeah. I, 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 even last week at like high ownership, I was still like double the field. And, you know, I mean, what, he didn't have a very good weekend, but you know, what are you going to do? Uh, some other guys who I think I probably will give some boost to get in, probably like Siwoo. I, it just feels like it feels like if I'm going to embrace the variance of like trying to build some high end and low end rosters, Siwoo feels okay. This this Phil projection is hilarious. Like it, it, Phil Phil has become like uh, like uh, Ollie Schneider Jans in the projections. Basically, he's just like completely <laughs> unplayable. It it is pretty crazy. I mean. He, he's been a, a total disaster and basically ever since I touted him the one time and he missed the 18 inch putt at the U S open uh, it's been all downhill from there. Yeah. The ultimate manic mush. Um, yeah. I, I'll probably pass on Phil again. Um, Scott Piercy. I think we kind of glossed over him a little bit, uh, but he he's right there in the same price point as Glover Watson Glover and Piercy. I think would both be good pivots off of Watson. If you're just building one lineup. Yeah, I think that's fair. What, do you have thoughts about Keegan, $7,100, DraftKings dollars? Does it, does uh, it Patriots season hasn't started yet. Celtics aren't playing. Bruins aren't playing. feels like a good time to get Keegan. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I mean, I like Keegan a little bit. I, I don't have any strong opinions one way or the other. Um, probably not looking to him in a single entry or three max. Um, not looking at him as a core play in MME, but I think it, it's a week where I'd be, I'd be fine playing him at, you know, 5%, 10% ownership. Yeah, I think that that is probably fair. Furick, probably a guy I will have a little bit of. Russell Knox, I'll probably have a little bit of. Streelman, uh, I, I'm, I'm definitely going to give Dylan, uh, Dylan Fratelli, probably like a plus two. I've just have been like so impressed with how well he's played over like last, this is a no data take, but I just have been like very impressed with how well he's played like over the last month and a half. It just feels like he is a, just feels like he's a good golfer. feels like he should be, you know, more in like the Brian Harmon price range or whatever. Yeah, that that 7K price tag on Streelman is kind of like right at the point where the the player pool starts to feel uncomfortable for me. Um, Like if it turns into a bomber type of thing, Aaron Wise, I think is viable, but that's where I'm definitely uncomfortable kind of rostering some of these guys in the single entry three max. And so I think if you kind of cut it off at 7K, it also leads you to the natural balanced roster build. Um, if you are taking a heavy stand on someone up top in MME, I think that's where the sub 7K range comes into play a little bit more. I got I got two guys who I am like pretty much mortal lock to be overexposed to. Okay. We got we got Killicky at 6,500 at 1% ownership. You know, I'll be 10x that or whatever. Uh, probably a little bit of Corey Connors as well, and then of course. Got it. Got to get a little bit of Adam Shank in. Maybe like one percent Adam Shank is probably enough. Yeah, and I, I'm kind of leaning away from this range um, outside of MME. Like I said, I would say that the couple guys that jumped out potentially is 
kind of deeper plays. Johnny Vegas at 6,700. Um, yeah. If it does profiles a heavy off the tee course, which it, it did the last time they played, that would set up well for Vegas and a guy that could score from DK perspective. And then uh, Sepp Straka has been one of those guys who's been very consistent tee to green with his off the tee and approach play and uh, erratic and, and way below average on the putting. So if again, if it ends up a week that heavily weights towards tee to green, then then maybe he's a potentially value there along with somebody like Corey Connors. But I'm not leaping out to play any of these guys in a single entry build. And I'd, I would probably stay above 7K in that type of format. How is it possible that Scammer and Champ is in this field? Yeah, there, I mean, there were a string of names where I kind of <laughs> wondered about that a little bit. But I guess it's 125 guys. And, you know, there's there's probably only 75 or 65 guys that we really think about as delivering consistent results on a week-to-week basis. I mean, Champ with the win, um, obviously a lot of points associated with that. Max Homa with his win gets into the field, gets no respect in this field. He's 6,000. What a, what a bummer for What a bummer for Twitter hero Max Homa. Yeah. All right. Well, I mean, I think that I, I guess my, my one macro thought would be is that balanced lineups are probably going to be super popular this week just because there, there's not like any really big obvious values. No one that we have projected for a ton of ownership down, like even below like 7,000. I, I don't even see like one guy who pops as like a really, really good play. So I just, I think like those lineups starting with like Cantley or, or JT or uh, Justin Rose are going to be like very popular. Yeah, I think that's fair. As long as you're kind of considering the total ownership of your rosters, you should still be able to create some differentiation there. And in, in smaller field formats anyways, um, you don't have to worry about avoiding duplicates or anything. But what you said is accurate. I think the most popular plays below 7,500 are going to be Bubba Watson, um, maybe Siwoo Kim right now, Keegan Bradley, Kyle Stanley types. Um, so if you're looking to kind of dodge the value chalk that those are, I think the only guys that I've projected for like around 10% or more ownership below 7.5 K. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any thoughts on betting this week? No, I haven't taken a deep look at the, the card or the prices or anything. Um, if you're in the gups corner one and done, um, obviously there's only a few weeks left, so you need to burn the top end golfers if you still have them available. Um, you did see, though, that there can be a ton of leverage if you happen to nail the the only person to use JT Poston and move Amazing. up the board. So, I mean, if you're like a million bucks back, you're not going to lose very much dropping from like 100th to 200th place as far as prize pool money, maybe 20 bucks or something. But if you can make a big leap and get into it, then I think there's an opportunity to do so. So I guess um, that would be the, the kind of last thing would be um, if you want to take a shot, then maybe go outside of the top 10 guys in the field and you'll be able to capture somebody that, you know, you're one of like five or 10 guys to use them. I I might just use Brooks this week since I will have no other exposure to him at all. And I I won't want to use him really. Like, I feel like I might as well, at least like that would be such a good hedge for me. Like just getting destroyed by Brooks on Sunday again, at least knowing I get like, one positive life benefit out of it (laughs) yeah and then yes i mean i think that's a fine play um and i think if like a guy who might not be used at all if you are trying to make up a ton of ground someone like francesco molinari someone like jason day Day. um, i was gonna say day is like the one guy who's like a pedigree golfer who's gonna be like just at like we didn't even mention him yeah so i mean i think those guys would be interesting if you are just trying to make up a ton of ground with a hail mary yeah, I, I had I had Hovland last week, and it was it was so close, so close to finding a way to make back some of my money for this awful one and done year. 
Yeah, and obviously Webb was the popular guy there, so that was like a, a bad Double swing whammy. in multiple ways. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that is going to do it. Everyone make sure to check out the optimizer and the tools on dailyrodo.com and uh, come and join us for NFL season as well.